0: You're listening to the King of the 4th Podcast, offering in-depth analysis on all things Boston Celtics with your hosts, Jim and Mike Quigley. Well, hello, everybody, uh, to another show of King of the 4th Podcast. Really excited today as the Celtics have won nine games in a row. And I am a believer in this team. I'm hopping on the bandwagon. I know I've been really hard on the team this year, but their defense seems legit. Marcus Smart, Derek White, Robert Williams, uh, leading the way defensively, I think they have a defensive identity now. Uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, really sharing the ball on offense and having an offense that moves quickly, gets up the floor fast and finds people for good shots. And then the trade deadline, I believe got this team better and we saw the impact of Daniel Tice and what he can do as a backup center moving forward. So I'm excited. My one concern, is marcus smart uh i i really it would be dreadful if we find out that's a serious injury only because you see what he's been doing uh since he's come back their record is 12 or 13 and one uh it's he's just so important not just on the defensive end of the floor where everybody gives him credit but I think this season it might be even more important the impact he's had on offense. So that's my leading off point. Um, and the one last thing I wanted to say is that the standings are, are insane in the East, the Celtics are three and a half games out of first place uh, and probably, you know, four and a half games out of 10 place. So it's really, it's really crazy right now. And I think things are trending upward. So we could see the Celtics move out of the six feed. And be in a you know an upper upper echelon seed in the east by the end of the season.
1: You could see it by in a couple of days, it could be the fifth seed. Right. Um, you know, you sent me a text over the week on Sunday when they're playing the Hawks, and um you said you were basketball horny because of how the, <laughs> well, the Celtics were playing. <laughs> and I, I think a lot of people are kind of Celtics fans are failing that way right now. The last five days have been um really fun and interesting. And, you know, between the trade deadline and the last show we left off, it was like 12 o'clock on deadline day. So the big deals for White and Tice hadn't taken place yet. So we should probably dive into those a little bit. And then, you know, these last three games um, against all, you know, either really good teams, at least talented teams, um, really, kind of solidified, uh, um, you know, this winning streak. You know, they they beat bad teams. They beat them um, pretty handily. But these last three games, these were all uh, playoff level teams, um, talent wise, with Atlanta or at least playoff talent. And um, you know, the Celtics did it three different ways. And you know, I you know the Denver win was. Offense really wasn't clicking. Things weren't going great on that side of the ball at all. There were bad turnovers. But they they found a way, you know, relying on their defense to pull out a gritty win. Atlanta was more of a comeback, you know, down 15. And, yep. you know, Tatum getting going. And the energy of the crowd finally picking up in that second half. And then yesterday was just your... um Old fashioned ass kicking last night against Philly, yeah, right. which is always enjoyable, um, considering I think how everyone that probably listens to this pod feels about Philly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really, they put themselves, she mentioned the standings, they're in a great, great spot right now. Um, I think maybe a game back of Philly, or, you know, you know mm-hmm. right, two games back of uh, Milwaukee, a game Milwaukee. and a half back of like Cleveland. So they're, Right in the mix and only three and a half behind Miami. And to even put a a cherry on that, if you look at their tiebreaker scenarios, they're in a good spot. They're two and one against Miami, they're two and one against Cleveland, two and two against Philly, two and one against Milwaukee, one and one against Brooklyn, Um, two and one One against Charlotte, one and one against Chicago, right? One and one against Chicago. So -hmm. they're either tied or they have the tiebreaker right now. So then they're not in a position where all they're going to lose the tiebreaker. And then if you look at the Philly game last night, they actually, the second tiebreaker is your division record, and the Celtics passed Philly there. Um, so it's, you know, they've actually, they the track record against these teams, and you could say there were injuries or whatever, but they've gotten the job done, and they've put themselves in good position. Um you know, Good we position. had a pod
0: We go, had a sorry, pod go couple of
1: weeks ago and then I'll just kind of turn it over to you to talk about the trades, but we had a pod a couple of weeks ago where you, you made mention of where the other teams were in the standings and being 10 games over 500. Yes. But the reality of the situation, they were never that far away and you got a little bit hot. They were going to make up ground. They've now gotten very hot and, um. They could fall anywhere between one and six with this is all said and done. And it's it's just gonna be interesting and in how the playoff matchups wind up. I mean, maybe the one seed isn't that good if you wind up with Brooklyn as the eight seed, you know. It's it's gonna be um it's really interesting going forward. And the Celtics are part of the conversation. And I think we need to ask the question, and maybe we can save this to the end of the pod. Um, what is this team sailing? this season, because I think that conversation has really changed. Um, but before oh. we got there, let, let's go to the trades, Mike.
0: Yeah. I, I before think that's we, step one, you know? Yeah. I want to just something, a couple of things you said that I just want to respond to quickly. Cause it's funny, you know, a couple of weeks on the pod, I was talking about how they wouldn't catch Brooklyn, uh, because Brooklyn was nine games over 500. And now Brooklyn has pretty much the identical record to where the Celtics were during that pod. Yeah. And we flipped, we flipped positions, um, and then just one other comment about these last three wins. These are quality wins. The Hawks are a quality win because the Celtics haven't beat them the last few years, the Hawks have dominated them and they were dominating that game. Once again, and the old Celtics lose that game, uh, same with the Nuggets. Jalen Brown was not playing well. The offense was not scoring. And this season we would have saw that Celtics team blow it in the fourth quarter and those things didn't happen. Uh, the Philly game, I mean, what is there to say? It was like, I mean, they just killed them.
1: So all, all three games had halves under, where they held their opponent to under 50, under 50 points. Points. I think points. it was 42 in the second half. The Nuggets scored, 44, the Hawks scored. And then uh, yesterday was both halves were under 50. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they're relying on that defense. As far as tremendous defense, it it is
0: tremendous defense. And, you know, as far as the trade deadline goes, I feel like they got better on offense and defense. Uh, I feel like specifically defensively at the backup point guard position in the backup center position, you don't have Ennis Freedom coming into the game when Robert Williams can't play. You have a capable center who is an above average shot blocker and above average athlete coming into the game who also moves the ball well on offense. Um, And we saw a lot of that. That's great screens too. He does. He does. Um, And then with Derek White, you have a ball mover. Um, He, the the ball leaves his hands so quickly um, and he can defend on the ball. So, You know, my overall reaction to the trade deadline is that the Celtics made smart moves and they're a better team. Uh, I would like to see them fill these last three roster spots just so they can be a little bit deeper. Um, You know, I think they're going to have 11 guys available tonight, which, you know, that that could be tough, even though you're playing Detroit. Um, And then overall, just the trade deadline in general. Um, I feel like Philly games are going to be really hard to watch with all the fouls that are going to be called with Embiid and Harden out there and They're going to be a really tough matchup in the playoffs because they're going to constantly put pressure on you and put you in foul trouble.
1: Yeah. I do, I do can, feel can like, can we talk about White and Tice before we jump into the, round of the league? Um, yeah. so I, I feel like, um, we'll start with Tice because that's where you started. I, I like both players, I, I, I think both players helped them considerably this year. I think Tice provides insurance for next year if they move off al in any way as he kind of steps right into that backup center you you start last night rob's out um you have a quality big that comes in and fills minutes and i i thought it was interesting williams was actually the guy that picked up indeed when um al went out and tice um you know whoever he covered just kind of floated there and kind of the rob role um so I found that to be very interesting in how they're going to use Williams and how they're going to use him going forward. Um, and he, he does a lot of nice things. Um, you know, I don't love the habit of the Celtics continuing to spend nine and a half million dollars on a backup center. It is what he's going to be locked up in for. So that that's not a great use of cap management. I, 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 it might be a small detail, you know, Algo's, whatever but that that isn't the best use I love the guys they got rid of I didn't want to see I was so aggravated when they signed Cantor to begin with because he's just such a minus on the um defensive end and I I just don't even think he gives much offensively anymore um and Schroeder you know I wanted I was okay with him gone especially with white in now um you know he was fine um and also bad, so you know and he was actually a weak league defensively derek white really good player uh like and you hit all the positives you know he moves the ball quickly um he can defend almost one through five i would say one through four probably more realistically um he, he seems to be a good leader you know with smock you know one of the things these two moves um created was depth you know and you saw it last night with Williams, and now with smart out, I don't think the fall off is all that bad with white going in and stepping in there and picking up minutes, um, you know, Pritchett and others are going to have to step up, but it's, it's, it's not a terrible situation like it would be for before when smart went down. Um, yeah. I, I, I do worry about what they gave up. Um, you know, the pick this year is fine, but the pick swap in 28 or 29, I don't remember which year. That's only top one. 28. I, that, that could be the time that Tatum and Brown are walking away. Um, that could be a valuable piece to rebuild. I, I'm really surprised they had to do that for Derek White, where he's not a superstar and not an all-star. Um, and, and I don't want them to devalue draft picks this much. No, uh, I, so that, I, that was that was one part of the concern with me. Yeah. Um,
0: I agree um, with that concern. I, um, I don't understand how that deal couldn't get done without that pick. I mean, you gave them Romeo Lankford and the first-round pick. Uh, that 2028 pick just seems like the type of deal Danny could make when he was here that would have so much value to it. Yeah, um,
1: like 1 through 15 protected, I would have been fine. Yeah. yeah lottery mm-hmm. protected, something like that. But
0: 1 through 4? Yeah, no, it's just 1. Oh, it's just one. Yeah. That's like, to me, uh, that's the type of trade that comes back to haunt you. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, I, I'd like to jump into We don't have to talk yeah, about
1: Last this. thing I want to say about this deal is I, I think it raises sailing for this year, obviously. That's I, what I, 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 I think. It, I think that could have ramifications going into this offseason, depending on how far they go. And we can save this to the end of the pod. But I, I, from a fan's perspective, I, I like the fact that they they put chips in on this year, even with even dealing with um, the tax restraints. So I, from that perspective, Brad had his hands tied, and he did he made the team better.
0: So he certainly he certainly did make the team better for this year. And uh, the nerd stats out there are saying the Celtics are the favorite in the East now, which reminds me of when the Patriots got hot. Uh, so I don't take too much value. to well, it, let's,
1: let's. I was thinking saving this to the, the pod. Let's talk about it right now because it's interesting.
0: Yeah. You know. So um, here's my here's my thing with the Celtics as far as their sailing. If they continue to move up in the standings and they can secure home court for two rounds, then I believe that they can run through and have a chance of winning the East. However, if they don't make that jump in the regular season to get home court. I still look at their away record this year. I know defense goes with you on the road, but you know, if you're playing in Philly in a series and you're dealing with the refs and James Harden and Embiid, that'd be difficult. You know, the amount of times Chris Middleton and Giannis are going to go to the free throw line at home. Those are going to be difficult series. So I, I do feel like if you play Milwaukee and Philly, uh, those specific teams in the playoff series, you need to have home court advantage if you're going to win. Uh, so my caveat is i think the celtics can they i think this this defensive mentality that we're watching is real i think they could make noise in the east but i don't think they can do it as a road team
1: i think that's probably fair and i still think they're they're missing that integral piece of of a guy that rolls out of bed and just starts shooting And, and you know, when you're having a tough quarter that you can rely on that, maybe he can catch you, get you going. I, I maybe we that. saw
0: him in the fourth quarter last night, though.
1: Maybe, maybe. But, you know, how much do you want to rely on? A, you're talking about Sam Hauser. How much do you want to rely on a rookie? You know, even a 24 year old, you know, he's pretty old for a rookie. Um, I but I do think this is a very good basketball team. And I think you're right. You want to see them at least have home court advantage in the first round um if they can get it and it's definitely within their reach matchups are going to be important um i think their sailing is probably used in conference finals as a sailing you know i don't think there's any guarantee i don't think they get beyond that um not that they uh, look it's not a non-zero chance that they could win the nba championship it's not a zero where i thought that a couple weeks ago it's not that anymore they 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 have a shot in every series, the way they're, they're built, because defense doesn't slump. You know, shooting slumps, but defense doesn't slump if you stay committed to your principles. Other teams will get hot, and it will look like at times your defense isn't playing poorly, but sometimes guys just make shots in this league. And, and I think over the course of the seven games, um, you, you can cause a lot of havoc. And, and so they they get, they get a shot in any, any series. I really want to see them really make a, a decent run at this though. I want at the, even if they go out in the second round, I want it to be a competitive series that you say the Celtics are just missing the piece. Because to me, then the onus goes firmly on ownership. Um in this exactly. offseason. Like you have this you have these traded player exemptions, the big one's 18 million that runs out, I think, um at some in point in July, right? Yeah. So you got to use it. Um, you don't have a lot of free agent mechanisms. You're going to be within the tax. So you're going to have the taxpayer mid-level, which is like six Like five million. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to get into the mechanics, but they that TPE gives them the opportunity to at least go out there hunting for players on other rosters. And I, I want, you know, if they, they're they not in the repeater tax, so there's no excuse, a, a run here, which would be awesome as fans. It would just be so much fun for this season. But I th- do think it takes away that excuse as I'm not going to pay for it for if it's not a championship team. Because if they come close and they're competitive, the league is so muddy that yeah, they might very well be that if you make one more move. And, and, if, exactly. and if you're two stars and you see it now, like you brought it up earlier, Tatum's ability to move the ball. I think he is that player now. We're talking about growing into that player. He looks like that player that moves the ball gets other people's involved, able to take over when he, when he needs to, I, I feel like Brown is still fighting himself like Tatum was earlier in the year, but he's trying to figure it out. And you get the sense that both going to get there and they're both going to keep improving. So if that happens, um, I, you know, that was, I'm not going to lose my mind over the 2028 pick swap too much, because if they execute this and the contenders and then they the pressures on ownership to make a move, then then, then we're cooking. We're really yeah. cooking. But then we're in a much different situation than we were back in um, November, December.
0: Yeah, and this is the time of year where Tatum turns it on traditionally too, and I think we're seeing it. Things seem to be falling into place, and if they're, if they're healthy, we talk about the sailing this year. I agree with you. The Eastern Conference fi- Finals is a reality, and I tend to think if they have home court, they have a shot at winning it. And if they can compete like that this year, then, yeah, ownership has to use that TP and add, you know, a legitimate scorer to this team going into next year, of course. So I think there's a lot of of positive that's coming from the Celtics doing well right now that can extend for years to come. And even with the Tice contract taking up, as you mentioned, eight and a half million dollars for the next four years for a backup center, it's still a tradable contract that can be attached to something else. And also, if this core is good enough where they just need to add the TPE, then then that Tice contract is valuable because the way Celtics play defense, having an athletic center that can block shots is the basis of that switching zone. And I'm not gonna compare Tice to Robert Williams because he's not, but he stepped in well last night as a roamer when he wasn't on embiid when they put the backup center read in. Oh yeah. Uh, he he really did. And to me that's really big because they didn't have they don't they didn't have that. No,
1: no. Close to it. And if you look at team building, I think Brad of this offseason was in a spot where it's a little bit easier. You're looking to just find veterans to fill holes. You're you're a middling team, um you're not necessarily a contender. They kind of taken off. Um it gets a little bit harder now to fill holes. Well, he did that when they, when you get to contender status, they, they needed a reliable backup big and they needed another playmaker and, and defender to fit out image system. They did that. Now the next step is a shooter. Um, it's just, it's, it's an exciting time. You know, they got Detroit tonight. They could potentially get 10 in a row and, you know, Potential. Milwaukee the schedule probably, after
0: that, it could
1: get, it, yeah, it they could get... Yeah, they opened up with Brooklyn Indiana-Detroit right after the break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Philly and Milwaukee are facing each other head-to-head um, tomorrow night. Yeah. I, you could be in the fifth seed, and you could be like a game out of the third seed going into the all-star break um, with all the momentum at your back right now. Yeah. And, I, and they put in a little distance between them and Toronto and... and Charlotte here on the other end. So they're, they're in a good spot. Last thing we, we should bring up, Mike. Um, I think it's hey, Can I say one
0: thing before your last thing? Yep. The Celtics, I need you to come out. Have you, like, you've been coming out all month? Don't be like we're going on break soon. Just get a big lead against Detroit. Don't make us sit on our hands all nervous in the fourth quarter tonight. <laughs> Please.
1: Well, one area you and I need to take our medicine is on Ime Adoka. Um, hmm. He has coached this team up. You can still argue with giving rotation minutes or whatever, mm-hmm. but defensively, they've gelled. Offensively, they're moving the ball. Um, I, I still think a veteran assistant with game management could have been helpful, and I think he was too slow on the Schroeder stuff, but he can coach. There, there's no doubt about this right now. Like it just, in Game management more learned. That That comes with time, and I think he's getting better, and he seems to learn from his mistakes. But in terms of coaching the game of basketball, he 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 knows what the hell he's doing. He really does.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, just watching the way they play defense now and they're listening to his message on offense of moving the ball. I uh, I I think he is growing right in front of our eyes. And that's that's great. I mean, they got this guy locked up. I also like the way he used Smith last night. Um, so I think we're seeing improvements in. His rotation has expanded a little bit during this win streak to nine guys, not eight. Um, yeah, I, I think the other part of it is getting help from your GM to get the right players can help you as a coach too and players yeah. that may can trust. And may has a backup center and a backup combo guard that he can trust now. Um, so, yeah, But they were turning the, the corner really before those moves. They, sure, were. they were. Yeah. To, yeah and and he, he, adjusted to, he adjusted to he adjusted the Schroeder. He wasn't Fair. playing Schroeder and Smart together anymore. He was, you know, he was a, he was making improvements. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the way he's used Grant Williams and the improvement of Grant Williams' game as a rebounder, as a shooter, as a passer, as a dribbler this year, yes, is Grant's hard work in the offseason, but also I think may putting him into positions to be successful.
1: And he's gotten through to an NBA team concept of team basketball on both ends. Yes. And he's emphasis out on defense. And then it's been a slow, painful growth period on offense, but it's happening. And, you know, that's uh, that's a credit to him. Yeah, if they shoot like that, like last night, they're never going
0: to lose again. Yeah, that, enjoy it because that's not happening again. Man, even the fourth quarter, I was enjoying yeah. all the backups. It's like rain threes. Yeah, That guy Cornette, though, man, he sucks. Oh my He God. does. He is horrible. All right. Well, I got to go. I just want to say to all the listeners, thank you for uh, listening to our podcast. We appreciate you. Share this with your friends. Uh, this is a good time for the podcast right now. The Celtics are playing well. They're a legit contender. So be sure to listen because we're going to continue to update you all on our thoughts and the excitement that's happening here in Boston. That's
1: all right. All right. All right. All right. Bye. See you.